Hey everybody, welcome to episode 139 of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. My name is Kieran, and I have been metal detecting for the last 30 years. This week, we round out our metallurgy series with allies. Not allies, but allies. The allies are coming. <laughs> so let's get on with the show. A little bit of housekeeping first. There will be no uploads for the next two weeks as I'm taking a little bit of personal time off to go off on holidays with the kids. But we will be back live or at least uploaded on the 19th of April. So thanks for your patience, guys. I really appreciate it. And I know you don't mind me taking a couple of weeks off every now and again. But anyways, back to the show. So let's start. What is an alloy? A-L-L-O-Y. Not A-L-L-I-E, but alloy. So an alloy is a substance made up of two or more metals or even non-metals to make another substance or metal. Like carbon, which is mixed with iron to make steel. These alloys are usually produced using a process called fusion where the metal with the higher melting point is first added to a crucible that gets to a liquid form and then they add the alloying material to that metal to produce the alloy. It is then poured into a mold and allowed to be cooled down. These alloy ingots then are stored away to be used whenever they need to be used in casting or any other metal working process. But generally, the alloying process is done separate to the manufacturing process, and that's an important point to note. So they're alloyed first, and then they're used in whatever manufacturing process later. There are two types of alloys. There's ferrous and non-ferrous, where have we heard these terms before? But a ferrous alloy is an alloy that contains iron. We know this already. And a non-ferrous one is one that contains no iron. So essentially, steel would be a ferrous alloy and brass or bronze would be a non-ferrous alloy. For us detectorists, it's important for us to understand that most and nearly all of the things we hunt for is an alloy of some sort. Gold is normally an alloy. Silver, normally allied with something else. Copper, and on and on. The list is endless. So why alloy in the first place? Well, it was discovered that by alloying two metals, or even a metal and a non-metal together, it actually changed the physical properties of the metal, such as hardness, rigidity, and wear resistance. These properties made an alloy more practical, more practical than, say, gold, silver, or copper, which would be too soft for everyday use. Another reason for alloying was economy. The relative cost of pure metals was too expensive. We, of course, would be aware of gold and silver coins, which originally started out in a very pure form, only to be slowly allied by the minting process over the years as kings and queens and governments realised that it was too expensive to put actual pure metals or metals of high value into the coinage. Till we ended up in Europe with what's called Nordic gold, which is essentially a alloy of copper, zinc and aluminium. This Nordic gold, I suppose, is used in every European country and contains no significant metal alloy of value at all. So we've chatted about gold, silver, copper and iron in previous episodes. 
and we've talked about how you would go about detecting them. However, the likelihood of you finding any of these metals in their pure form in the wild is very unlikely. And what you're actually finding is an alloy of the metal. So say for gold, gold will be the major metal in that substance or alloy that you find. But we just call it gold. However, it is generally an alloy. For example, 24 karat gold is gold of a purity of 99.99% gold. So technically, it has 0.01% of some other metal in there, making it technically an alloy. However, the likelihood of finding 24 karat gold is extremely unlikely, as 24 karat gold is normally considered Boolean grade and not found in the wild, simply because it's too soft to be practical. The highest gold we would generally find would be 22 karat gold, which is 91.3% gold and then 8.7% of some other metal, normally copper if it's jewellery related. The most common type of gold alloy or gold carat we find is 14 carat gold, which is 52% gold and 48% of another metal, again, generally copper. And this runs true for all other metals generally. You've got pure silver, which is 99.9% pure. You've got sterling silver, which is 92.5% pure, meaning that 7.5% of it is allied with some other metal. And you've got jewellery silver, which is normally as low as 80% purity. So 20% of it is made up of some other metal. But say you're out searching for jewellery, for example, or 14 karat gold. Do you search for the 58% gold or the 42% copper? Well, if you look at the conductivity scale, copper sits just below silver and then gold is mid in the table. So it's not just a case of adding up all the conductivities and coming up with a number and assigning that to a scale, for example. It, alloying metals doesn't work like that. How the alloys were created has a huge impact on the conductivity of the alloy itself. For example, if an alloy is age-hardened, it's most likely that the conductivity of that alloy will be more than the sum of its parts. And this is all very much based on what temperature was used to cool the alloy post being melted in the furnace. And only comes into play when the alloy is of low purity. So say, for example, like our 14 carat gold situation. In the 14 carat situation, the conductivity is expected to be closer to copper's conductivity rather than the gold's conductivity, even though there is more gold in 14 carat gold, 52%. That is why you'd have a mid VDI number. However, you may have a high pitched tone over a 14 carat gold target. Something to be aware of. But something else to be aware of, the higher the pitch, the lower the gold purity in the target. And if gold is allied with silver, the same rings true. It will behave the same way as copper. However, if it's allied with nickel or zinc, it's more likely to react more like aluminium. This is because allying gold with metals of lower conductivity negates the increase in conductivity from the furnace and allying process. 
In a silver alloy case, it will ring exactly like silver, even if it is alloyed with copper, which sits just below it. So silver is never a problem. You don't even need to consider alloys of silver because they will just react like silver because silver alloys have a high and huge conductivity, just like normal silver. But what about other important alloys such as brass, which was the first of all the alloys produced at the end of the Neolithic period, about 4,500 BC. And then you have bronze, which obviously gave its name to the Bronze Age, which started to be produced around 3000 BC. But what about those alloys? They're equally as important, particularly when metal detecting. So brass, which is an alloy of copper and zinc, copper being right at the top of the conductivity scale, and zinc being very low on the conductivity scale, results in a conductivity ID very similar to gold. And that's why you nearly have a heart attack every time you see something brass come out of the ground, because brass has a similar colouring to gold, but also has a similar resistance to corrosion, just like gold. And because it sits right in the middle of the conductivity scale, it does react very similar to gold and aluminium. This is because brass's conductivity has been measured at 28% of the conductivity of copper, which would put it right bang in the area of gold and aluminium. And when looking at bronze, which is an alloy of copper and tin, this has a conductivity 15% of copper, so would sit very low on the table, just above your discrimination line essentially falling in your VDI area and tone area just above iron. And because of this, this has a real potential to be missed or even discriminated out, depending on how aggressive you are with your discrimination. The one thing I can say about bronze is, even though it sits low on the VDI and the tone is generally low, it gives what I would call a confident tone. You know, something that's very clear, very pure in your ears that you know and you're very confident, oh, this is something good, even though it's low on the VDI and I should dig it. So hard to explain, but when you've been detecting long enough, I think you will understand. It's, it gives you just this, a confidence about it when you hear that tone. It's a little bit brighter than everything else around it. So that's the one thing I can actually say about bronze. While we're talking about VDI and tones, I think I should mention ferrous alloys because these tend to give you a iffy or scratchy tone when detected. This is because the ferrous portion of the alloy will actually get discriminated out. And you might go, but Kiran, ferrous alloy is an alloy of generally iron and carbon, but carbon is what's called diamagnetic. In other words, it doesn't have a magnetic field. However, carbon is conductive and it does produce an eddy current, which can be picked up by a metal detector. You know this yourself if you've ever found a carbon rod from an old battery or something like that. So carbon is conductive. However, it's not ferrous. So when you detect steel and it's giving a scratchy tone, it's because the carbon in the steel itself is actually reacting. And of course, there's some level of reaction from the iron itself. However, you generally try to discriminate that out. So using that logic, low carbon steel will actually be harder to detect than high carbon steel. This results in high carbon steel being easier to detect when discriminated out. 
Listen, there's possibly thousands, if not millions of allies out there. From ferrous ones, these are the ones we don't want, to non-ferrous ones, like brass and bronze and silver and gold. The list goes on and on, but it's safe to say we would all like a little bit more non-ferrous allies in our finds pouch at the end of the day. Listen, I hope I went some way towards opening your eyes a little bit on allies and what to consider when detecting them. And I hope it makes you a better detectorist because of the little bit of information. That's it, guys. Like and subscribe. Remember, I won't be in seat for the next two weeks. Back in seat on the 19th of April. Enjoy spring break. Get out there. Good luck and happy hunting.